You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered and been shaped by the small town context and are adamant that we uh, be equipped and ready and seen as we try and do God's work in small, out-of-the-way places. I am your host, Joe Epley, and today I'm pretty excited because we get to interview uh, Pastor Charity Sandoz, and uh, we're going to walk through kind of um, how to have successful relationships, whether it's peer-to-peer or mentor relationships um, as a woman in ministry, which is obviously something I couldn't speak to by myself, and so I'm glad to have a guest with us today. Um, I first got acquainted with her because her father, Dwight Sandoz, actually runs Rural Advancement, but uh, she has her own ministry journey and her own story. And so, Pastor Charity, the first thing I want to say as we welcome you to the show is, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive into our conversation today. Um, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I have two little girls, and my wife is a uh, licensed minister, and we have a lot of conversations in our house about what it looks like to to be successful as women in ministry, and, and it's just uh, it's important to me. And so, um, as we do with all our guests, I do want to acquaint listeners with you and your background. And so, maybe walk through your background in ministry, you know, how you got from point A to point B, uh, what you've done, where you've been, and kind of your connection to the rural church. So growing up, I was a PK. We came from a small town of around 700 in Western Nebraska. And so you get a lot of experience with that being in a church where there's not as many volunteers. So pastor's kids end up helping a lot. It can be a lot of fun. And then spent some teen years where my parents were at the district office. So it was a state. Nebraska has a lot of rural churches. So there was a lot of experience. I've probably explored from top to bottom more rural churches than most people. <laughs> and, uh, so then I went to Trinity Bible College and did my BA there and then was a kids and associate pastor in Spearfish in Western South Dakota for five years. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, what are you doing now? I'm pretty sure you're working on something, right? Yeah, currently I am working on finishing up my master's degree in rural ministry also through Trinity. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love I love how it weaves in the narrative. I think you and I were discussing yesterday over the phone how even in a context like Spearfish, which might even be, I think it's above that 10,000 mark. I mean, it's definitely a, a bigger town, but it's still very rural. I mean, the whole state of South Dakota is just is a rural mindset. And so it's cool that that even as your journey progressed, it still is woven with this narrative of uh, the rural church. Well, uh, the next thing I want to ask you is just, um, and it's kind of shedding a spotlight on our specific conversation today, uh, but you and I talked that predominantly, um, um, and actually that's not even the right word, I would say, yeah, through your ministry career thus far, you have remained unmarried, and so uh, so you kind of got this perspective where you are, uh, you spent the last 10 years going through college and ministry um, as a single woman, and so close into that experience, you know, I know that uh, part of the conversation culturally is uh, people are becoming aware that in a lot of ways there are barriers facing different groups in ministry. But what has been your experience or the experience of people you know about? Kind of clue us into the conversation. So I've been really blessed to have a very positive experience. Part of the Northern Midwest, there's a lot more openness to women having leadership roles 
in ministry that's been very rewarding. And I really honor and celebrate our district leadership for creating those opportunities. I think something that's really important is always keeping a good attitude. Sometimes people can hurt feelings, but it's important to you know always have forgiveness and recognize that there could be other factors involved and it might not just be because of a gender issue that oh, sometimes sure. we can automatically attribute it, but it's really important not to and to always give the benefit of the doubt, I think, in relationships. So yeah, but I've had, a, like I said, a very positive experience. There's been a lot of open doors. My senior pastors, they were amazing at equipping me and empowering me. I had a lot of opportunity from, you know, speaking on Sundays and having leadership roles where we were in discussion for the future of the church to sitting in on board meetings and all kinds of experiences that even sometimes staff pastors in general don't often get that level of experience. So that was very appreciated and helpful. Absolutely. And uh, and thank you for sharing that perspective. I think <clears throat> I think it's easy amidst uh, kind of large-scale cultural conversations like women in ministry has been kind of perpetually, but uh, certainly uh, it comes up again and again. And I, I just love your balanced take because one of the things uh, that we don't ever want to do is paint too broad of a brush and say, well, every experience runs this way and every experience runs that way. And I just uh, I, I think it's a refreshing perspective to recognize that there are places where opportunity has been given and uh, where gender isn't factoring in. And that's that's exciting. So thank you for sharing your experience on that. Um, but I do want to dive in because every perspective, every role, every kind of background comes with its own expectations and its own pitfalls and its own levels of awareness. And so so I, I know personally, you know, several young women who are single, who are, who are rolling into ministry, and uh, and they kind of come with questions. They say, hey, what is what is appropriate boundaries as far as mentorship relationships goes or peer-to-peer relationships and things like that? And so let's speak to that first one. How does how does a young woman in ministry have, uh, you know, kind of successful mentorship relationships? And, and, and we can get real practical with that, you know? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that are really helpful to be aware of. So first of all, you have your pastors in your local church and just having the benefit of our pastors were uh, for the church I was in about 35 years older than I was. So it became very fatherly in the role. And that's something I really appreciated. So when there is oftentimes that age gap that lends itself to more availability of a different kind of mentoring that can be really Mm. helpful. Um, I think that staying really involved in your district and where other pastors gather, it gives an opportunity for relationships to just progress naturally where there's this, um, you know, you meet people and you talk and you have discussion about different issues in your ministry and life. And then there starts to be a more grassroots style of building relationship for mentoring. That can be also really important. But I think it's also very important to look for people who have the right kind of heart and spirit about them. Because sometimes we can pigeonhole, well, like I'm doing kids ministry or I'm doing worship and thinking that a mentor has to be in that specific area where we can learn technical skills from a lot of different people. But the people who really speak into our lives for the heart style of ministry and things. When you look for a mentor, looking for someone who has a very positive spirit, where are they at? Is that where you want to become? Mm. And so all of ministry has a lot of overlap, I feel like. Sure. So you can 
get a lot of feedback from that. And so that can be really helpful. If possible, looking for other women who are in the district, that can be extremely rewarding. Oftentimes, I think that older women are afraid to mentor women, younger women, oh, and sure. they need to be asked. Um, oh, sure. If they're asked, they're a lot more open. Women can kind of get afraid of each other. And so sure. younger women need to ask older women. Older women need to ask younger women to be able to have that dialogue mm. start up. So. Yeah. And, uh, and so let's pose a scenario here. Let's say that you're in a church and these relationships do progress naturally. And let's say your best shot for a mentor is you're a single woman. And let's say it's a married man, you know, who's, who's in a pastoral role above you. And maybe they're not that old. Maybe, maybe they're only 10 years your senior or whatever, you know, what would you say practically that a woman would need to be aware of as, as they walk into that mentorship relationship? How does how does that work effectively while avoiding maybe that, you know, that classic age old appearance of evil or the just the just the like, ha, what what do we need to do? You know, what does someone need to do to make sure they manage that effectively? Well, lots of times who you end up having when you're in a rural church or a smaller church, there's not as many people available. So the likelihood you're going to have to find mentorship outside of your church is fairly high. Oh, sure. So that does make it so, sure. you know, honestly, phone calls um, during regular office hours and things really open up the availability for who can mentor because that's very easy to keep in an appropriate fashion. Um, mm. Is that possible having as many times couples mentoring as you can? So a rule I like to have, especially when it comes to peers and different ones, is having a greater relationship with the spouse of my gender of the versus the spouse of the opposite gender. And this I think works well for both men and women. So for me as a female, having a greater relationship with the woman. So that way it just keeps everything in perspective and that really helps to be able to do that. And so there's a lot of things that can be helpful. If you have to meet in person, there's things like, you know, having a video camera in the office, I think is something that every church, it's an investment, but having video cameras, it just adds levels of uh, accountability. That's very important in church. Um, you know, having glass in the door where, you know, having the door open when you meet. So that way there is, you know, just this, again, accountability in place, meeting in public and then just even keeping phone calls and texts to more appropriate business hours, unless it's an emergency where you sure, have to let sure. your pastor know about someone dying or You're something, right. you don't need to text them between certain hours in the day. So that way that just keeps some more appropriate things. And then again, like if it's a married man, never having interactions that would make their spouse uncomfortable or sure that would uh that you wouldn't do if their spouse was present you know those kinds of things low physical contact and uh you know handshake is plenty in many situations so sure yeah absolutely and uh again i like that perspective because because truthfully uh one i like how you started with saying hey as a young woman like you got to go the extra mile and say hey how am i relating to the whole couple not just the spouse um, but then to flip it and say, hey, whenever anyone's in a mentorship relationship, I mean, I can think of uh, when I got saved, I loved my youth pastor. I mean, he was a great dude and uh, and he mentored me a ton. And it wasn't until about halfway through our kind of four or five year relationship 
that I kind of looked over and went, man, your spouse is also really smart. You know what I'm saying? It just, I was a teenager. It just took me a second to be like, no, I could benefit so much. And still today, some of my most powerful lessons came because I let a couple mentor me, not just the the one that I most naturally attached to, you know? And so um, that's pretty cool. Well, let's shift gears um, and let's talk about peer-to-peer relationships because uh, one of the things that I think can be a potential source of not like conflict, but like, again, you know, you do hear of stories of moral failings and all these inappropriate uh, relationships that can form uh, because again, women and men working in the same office, it can happen. And so when it comes to a peer-to-peer relationship, you know, and obviously maybe there are different rules for for singles versus couples or whatever, but but just walk me through that. And maybe some of it overlaps, but uh, how do you as a woman in ministry, again, let's let's hypothetically say, you got a peer who's who's a man who's around your age. It's like, man, and, and whether they're married or not, you know, how does this how does this all work out? Well, I think a primary thing is keeping in mind the importance of always having healthy devotional life, because when we start to let that slip, uh, our conscience becomes weaker and having a sharp conscience will help us to have healthy interactions with people in ministry, in our relationships, whatever area that might be. And so I think that's something very important, having good accountability partners in our lives who can call us out and ask, you know, something we oftentimes do is assume people are in a healthy place. And I think it's very important to, you know, even if you think someone's in a healthy spot, if you call them out and say, hey, how are you doing in this area? How are the boundaries? Um, that does then leave room for open conversation where a person might be struggling and not have brought it up before. So those are very important, I think. Um, you know, like I said before, involving their spouse as much as possible is extremely helpful. So um, when texting, oftentimes including their spouse, so you do it as a group text, or even if you need to find an older person, let's say your coworkers in a church, you can oftentimes find maybe someone who you both trust, an older person in the church who can be also in that group text and just say, hey, can you be a part of this conversation? You don't have to respond, but just so there's that extra accountability. There's ways to have layers of accountability in with today's technology and things that makes it very accessible. But when you have interactions, keeping as much health to it as possible. So, uh, certain boundaries just don't need to be crossed. You know, there's certain subjects that one should only talk with someone of the same gender with as much as possible. And so having those kinds of things, it is a bit more difficult when you're on staff with someone. um, But that is where having, you know, if it's, if you're both on staff and you have a senior pastor having an honest conversation about how do you make those relationships work? If you're in a different locations, that's much easier um, I've even had points where I've switched to jobs because of needing to just feeling like the situation wasn't not that there was anything going on, but that the sure. situation didn't lend itself to look appropriate in every situation on a long term basis. So sure. And so when it comes to this, though, I want to balance it out. And, uh, and I, I think I'll, I'll answer that. And then we'll answer that in the next question. But, uh, and I, I know we touched on this a little, but but I just want to stop here intentionally. Why do you, you know, maybe, maybe give us that whole picture of why do you promote having couples as mentors? You know, not that, not that again, somebody older and single could not teach you, but it seems like you really love that concept. And so why, why does that matter so much to you? 
Well, I've had some very significant relationships where there is healthy couples who have mentored me, but I think it all goes back to the garden. And you have initially God makes man and he makes man in his own image, but then he makes woman and he brings them together and the two become one. And anytime you're interacting with a couple, you're always interacting with both because both are one. They are no longer two, but they are one. And so it becomes this healthy theological dynamic where there is the couple are both involved and there's dual gender perspectives and Mm. um, their voices that have weight in the conversation. And it becomes such a healthy dynamic. I've had amazing experiences with uh, some youth pastors that lived not very far away and they spoke into my life. Now they're going on the mission field, but they've spoken sure. into my life significantly and both have had voice and we have an excellent relationship. The three of us where I, you know, I could go over to their house and we would talk and have a meal and they both had that open conversation and door and to speak into my life. And it's been incredibly healthy. Whereas, especially if you want to have access more to a male, it's much harder to have that depth of relationship, especially when you are closer in age, if you don't have this couple dynamic. But even like we right. find it surely, you know, when Apollos had questions and wasn't teaching everything as fully as he should have, Priscilla and Aquila, they go and they explain the gospel more fully to him. So we even have scriptural examples of couples doing oh, this sure. together. Sure. You know, just to ask the question, because it's 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 kind of a begging the question, but like, obviously with you being single, it's like, hey, if there's a single individual who is your age, who let's say is, you know, one of those options of like, hey, I could, I could eventually form a romantic relationship with that person. Um, do some of these considerations shift a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Like, did, like, how does someone walk? Because obviously, and I think we even jokingly said it on the phone, like it at some point it becomes impossible to say, hey, let's bring a chaperone on every date or let's always group chat with somebody because obviously you're forming a different kind of relationship. Um, so as you navigate that, like what are just some what are some things you keep in mind as like a romantic relationship could form? Yeah. So when interacting with someone who is a possibility in a romantic relationship. I think that it does take on a different spin and there's you there still need to have healthy uh boundaries but there's definitely it's some level of one-on-one interaction does assist in forming a relationship whereas it could be hampered otherwise and so especially even just with other male colleagues who are single tend to have a little bit different set of rules for myself personally where I might feel a little more open to uh, texting more often, a, a little bit later into the evening where it's, you know, not as much at like that seven, eight o'clock, sure. but, you know, nine o'clock or so, 10 o'clock, because there is this other kind of dynamic. And so one has to be realistic and reasonable sure. with the situation, but it's not like at nearly as yeah high pressure. When yeah. it's when it's a, when it's especially someone who there could be an attachment with versus if there's someone that you see zero attachment with, probably having a few more of those. Hey, right, right. Wrong right. idea. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, what I've enjoyed about our conversation today is uh, it feels like a ton of common sense uh, with a spiritual emphasis. You know, I really I think the 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 thing that stands out most to me is when you're like, hey, 
just keep your devotion life going because the closer you are to Christ, like these boundaries will form and like you will be able to navigate in a more healthy place. Um, the last thing I want to talk about today uh, is a fun topic of conversation. And it's just of personal interest to me because I've been uh, and we're going to talk about the Billy Graham rule, which uh, if no one is familiar, it's the idea that Billy Graham said, as a married man, I will never uh, be alone with a woman who's not my wife, you know, and um, and this topic has quite a conversation uh, in like our modern Christian circles, because on one side, you'll get people who say, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. The temptation is too great. The failing is too big. Uh, and then on the opposite extreme, uh, you'll get people who say, hey, this Billy Graham rule has kind of been used against women to keep them from forming good colleague relationships where, you know, maybe maybe a male colleague who would be treated normally, you know, the female colleague never gets to go to lunch or never gets to, you know, like like there's less opportunity or at least less perceived opportunity. And so um, into that extremes conversation, um, give us your perspective on the Billy Graham rule. What are some things that stand out to you about it? Should we use it? Should we not? What's the thought there? Well, having grown up in a role where there was often sitting with other pastor's kids whose parents made big mistakes, definitely mm. I probably have a more awareness of what can happen. And it's important to remember that we're never too far that we can't fall, that we, um, as Rick Joyner says, you can fall from any level. Mm. no matter what level you're in. And just even thinking about when our own time, Ravi Zacharias, you know, had an ah, yes. voice for the church today, but he made big mistakes in this sure. area. And so, and I the think stories do abound, you know, in terms of like, like he's not the only one, you know, if he was one, I'd be like, okay, but there's like 40, 50, 60 of these, you know, frequently. Yes. And so having where we follow the spirit of the law, not necessarily exactly always the letter, but the spirit of, of the Billy Graham rule is to have extremely high levels of accountability and health. And so as we interact, there needs to be um, especially greater awareness. And if you can't follow it, then there also, you have even more levels of being aware. So uh, like awareness of vulnerability, when you might have in a relationship where if you're struggling, even if people aren't struggling necessarily, like they're like, oh, I'm not going to be tempted in this area. But if you're angry, if you're hurt, if you're uh, have deep sorrow and pain, if you're exhausted, you are weaker. And Satan definitely tempts us more when we're in a weaker place. And so having an awareness of where you're at, where the other person is at. Uh, so as a single person, if you even sense some tension in the a married man's relationship, you know, giving mm. some extra space to that and letting it cool for him and his wife to be more strongly connected. So you're not coming and having any kind of effect on their dynamic. Um, or sure. even for, um, you know, for male leaders that, you know, maybe you would like to mentor younger women and who are ministry and want to see them grow and develop. If you can't do it with your spouse and you don't feel comfortable, find a list of other people who can and refer sure. them you know, being prepared to be able to do that, but you have health and awareness. And when you have greater awareness of your vulnerability of another, per the other per parties, sorry, of the other party's vulnerability, then there starts to be greater health to the relationship. And always, again, keeping your conscience as sharp as you can. So that way, um, 
it's easy to make mistakes. And I do think that Rick Joyner, what he says that you can fall from any level is very true. And we always have to keep that in mind of where we're at. And so if you follow general practices, again, having phone calls, having, uh, you know, especially in a world, you're likely not going to be able to have someone in your location. So you call someone from another place. And as you have those conversations over the phone, that is a very appropriate way to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Charity, I do want to say to you, uh, thank you for a great conversation today. Yes, thank you for this and being able to speak into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, from all of us at Royal Advancement, uh, again, we thank you for tuning in. Again, it is our goal every week to bring you content that is spoken right to the heart of the rural church and right to where you're at. And so we hope that you feel equipped and empowered. Um, as always, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or our website, ruraladvancement.com. Uh, but true to rural form, the best way to spread this podcast around is to uh, find a pastor you think could benefit from hearing some of these things and just passing it right along by word of mouth. And so I have been your host, Joe Epley. She has been Pastor Charity Sandoz, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.